0: Hello, and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Thank you, Ria. It's an absolute privilege uh, to preach tonight. Uh, as Tyler said, my name is Michael, and I am part of the team here at Life Changes. You may know my me or my brother as the Christmas elf, or uh, me as David Hasselhoff in Baywatch, uh, uh yeah, I, I par, part-time uh, work there on the beach, um, but it's an absolute privilege uh, to preach tonight. And I, I actually just can't believe it's 2019 already. It just feels like the other day where uh, we were t- trying to tie up loose ends at the end of the year for the work. For work, We were trying to get everything done. We were trying to get all those budgets in. We were trying to tie up work. We were running around. And then we were already tired at the end of the year. We were saying, oh, I just can't wait until it is Christmas. I can't wait until I eat that gammon or I eat that roast chicken so that I can fill my bones and that I can get to the new year. And then we try and do Christmas shopping. And then we buy a couple of stuff for Secret Santa we really don't want to be a part of. And we try and find the best thing that we can for the least amount of money. And before we know it, we arrive at Christmas. And then we get to have Christmas lunch. And it's the thing we've been waiting for for around a month or so. And it's really the time of the year where we eat way too much. We eat so much that it could feed the Salvation Army. And then at the end of it, uh, we, we vow to ourselves we will never do this again. This will not happen. As we unbutton the jeans, as we get those comfy pants on, is it just me? Okay, it's just me. As we get those comfy pants on, we say, this will not happen next year. I will not eat myself into a stupor again. And then we get to New Year's. And uh, there's three types of people in New Year's, I believe. There's the people that like to party the New Year inn in style. They go to a friend's house or they go to uh, an, a restaurant or somewhere, and they want to stay up to the wee hours of the morning with their friends, laughing and having a good time and seeing the New Year's in. Then there's two other groups of people. There's w- the other group where I fall in is that I um, am getting tired by 10 o'clock, and my eyes are starting to close and all we want to do is go and get into bed with a good book or a movie. Or just actually sleep the new year in. But we, there's the sense that we just can't because we feel shame. We're young. We're supposed to be partying. But all we want to do is sleep. And then there's the third group. The group that I look up to. And that's the group that are in bed by 9 and asleep by 10. And they... And the New Year is just brilliant from then on. They're refreshed. You can see them. The birds are chirping. The daisies are popping out from the ground wherever they walk. And it's a good time all around. But there's one more thing that comes with New Year's. And it's this thing called New Year's Resolutions. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but you definitely will be because you'll see all the sparkly statuses on Facebook with nice fonts and beautiful colors, something like New Year, New Me, and then a lifestyle uh, shot on Instagram or whatever it may be is uh, this is the year of my bikini body. And then you can see all of the New Year's resolutions come rolling in, just come streaming in as we make promises to ourselves, as we have hopes and dreams for the new year. That this is going to be the year of the athlete. That this is going to be the year where I kick that coffee addiction. I will get down to two cups. Unless it's a long day. Then it's three cups or four cups. But normally two cups. But we make all these New Year's resolutions. And we have all these hopes and dreams for the new year. Especially the gym. And I don't know about you. But I just see statuses and statuses of this is the year that I'm going to get in shape. And um, I've, made, I've made one of these resolutions. Uh, we are going to be doing something called the Bikini Body Challenge, which is actually quite frightening by the looks of things. And uh, Stephen, there's a chuckle there, because Stephen hasn't been able to walk the whole week because he's done the Bikini Body Challenge. But uh, you see people like me going to the gym and we just look a bit bewildered. We look a bit frightened. We're not too sure which thing to lift or which thing to pull on, and you just see all these people, and we don't really sweat. We just leak fear the whole time, uh, but we, we trust that this will be the year where something changes in ourselves, and we make all these New Year's resolutions, but um, part of the reason why we do this is because we're hoping for something. We're hoping that this is going to be the year that something changes. Or we putting our trust in something that this is going to be the year that I sleep well. Or this is going to be the year that my marriage is fixed. This is going to be the year that my depression will go away. We have all these hopes and dreams. And New Year's resolutions are good things. But the, what I found, and maybe it's just me, that they don't sustain you throughout the year. That I get around, I... It's, I Start strong in January, but by like May, I am like tired, like the oxen that was dragging a pile of something the whole year, and then I just get tired, and I'm like those New Year's resolutions don't get me through. And I want to say tonight that while New Year's resolutions are good, there's something much better, and it's called hope. And um, the title of my preach tonight is Dare to Hope. And uh, the reason why I chose this is because, um, like Ryan was saying, around 11 days ago. Uh, dear friends of our church, Richard and Jackie Mangavin, their daughter was involved in the accident. And um, it was a prognosis of near death, that she may be in a vegetative state. She may never have the language capability. She may not have her personality. But as that was happening, on my social media, I just saw streams and streams of people from around the country, from around the world, post the status, hashtag keep hope alive. And you may have seen this come around, and it just stirred something within my soul. It stirred something deep within me, and I just saw people start to pray. I saw people start to trust for something to change. I saw people start to trust that we serve a God of miracles, and we believe in a God of miracles. And I just saw people gather, and people pray in the hospital room. And then what happens? She wakes up. She starts to walk. She starts to speak. She recognizes her father. And when we keep hope, I saw that in that moment, it wasn't their friends' support that sustained them. While that was amazing. It wasn't uh, New Year's resolutions. It wasn't their ability or their own skills that sustained them as pastors. It was hope in a living God, hope in a living reality. And that is what I want to speak about tonight Um, So I'm quickly going to pray for us, and then we're going to dive into some scripture. Dear Lord, I just thank you for this amazing opportunity. I thank you that we just open our hearts to what you have to say, Lord. I just thank you that you are the God of miracles, that when we put our trust and hope in you, Lord, we can see miraculous things, Lord. But it will sustain us. It is a hope that is glorious. It is a hope that is greater than anything in this world. pray this in your name. Amen. Can you say hello to someone? Can you say happy new year to someone on your left or your right? So as we read some scripture, I just want to take a moment. Think about what are you hoping for this year? What are your hopes? Just take a moment and think. Are you hoping for something small? Or are you hoping for something big? Whatever it is, think about that in your mind. And I just want to read from Psalm 3. It will come up on the screen. If you have your Bibles, take your Bibles out or open the app on your phone. It's from Psalm 3, 3 to 6, and it says this. But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. And uh, I love the Psalms. I love that Psalm in particular, Um, but I I didn't always love the Psalms. I actually really thought that they were a bit broody and a bit emotional uh, when growing up. I just thought that David was like Emo Edward in his room, just very upset at the world, upset at God for what his situation was. That uh, even though he was in a distressing situation, he was just always complaining. He was always moaning. He was always crying out to God and always frustrated and I didn't understand, and I didn't see beauty in it. Um, but as, as I got older and as I started reading the Psalms, I saw that even though David was always in these distressing situations, even though he was always crying out to God, it's that he always looked to a father in heaven to sustain him. No matter who his enemies were, no matter which situ- situation he was facing, he always turned to the God of living hope. And it puts courage in my soul that a man who um, stood against tens and tens of thousands of men of armies who um, struggled with sin, struggled with sexual temptation, a man who did all these things, but God chose for a glorious purpose, that same man could look to God and still say, I choose you, Father. You are my living hope. And I just want to make a few simple points tonight. And the first point is, hope is more than a feeling. And for those who know me, um, I'm a bit of a a bookworm, and I'm a nerd for all intents and purposes. Uh, So I love uh, the origins of words, and I love uh, diving into the literature of things. Uh, So I researched, and I went into 13th century hope, uh, what philosophers deem hope to be. And I I read and read a bit, and basically it started off with the ancient Greeks. And they believed that hope was um, the thing of cowards, that you had hope in something, if you weren't in control of your situation whatsoever. You were actually a stupid person if you had hope in something because you couldn't control your situation. Fast forward a few hundred years and we get to the 13th century and we get this amazing theologian called Thomas Aquinas. And he believes that hope is a part of our will. It's a part of our will to respond to God. We put our hope in things and we put our hope in people. And now in the modern day... There's a standard definition of hope. It is a belief based on a desire to see a circumstance, to see an outcome. So basically, I believe that I will have a beach body by the end of the year so that I do not look like a pale, drowned rat on the beach. That is my hope. So it is based on a desire that I do not look like a pale, drowned rat on the beach. And that is what the standard definition of hope is. But I want, to, I want to say tonight that I think that gets it slightly wrong. I think that just misses the mark slightly. That while hope may be a belief and a desire for a circumstance, it's that that leaves a lot up to chance. That leaves a lot up to what may or may not happen in the world. And I want to say the big thing tonight is my first point is hope is more than a feeling. Hope is a person. See, when we believe in a circumstance, we are leaving it up to chance. We are saying, it is by my own ability that something will change. It is by my own ability that the circumstance will come to fruition. It is by my own ability that I, if I just try hard enough, if I just give enough hours, if I read my Bible enough, if I do all of these things, if I hit the marks in these particular ways, then I will see that thing come to fruition that we hope for. But I want to say that misses the mark because our hope shouldn't be in a circumstance. Because circumstances are so misleading and so deceiving. Our hope should be in the glorious God, our Father. And this is what I love about David. Is that he realizes that even though his circumstances overwhelmed him, that there was one greater than any circumstance that he may experience. See, the thing that will sustain us throughout the year It won't be New Year's resolutions, it won't be trying hard, it won't be um, uh, quiet times every morning. While those are good things, it will only be hoping in the living God to sustain you day by day, to renew you, to refresh your soul by abiding in Him, by trusting in Him, by resting in all that He is for you. He refreshes you day by day and that sustains you throughout the year. Do you expect great things from God? See, David, even though, he, even though he was on the run in this point from his son, David was fleeing from his son. He fleed from his royal palace. He was in the wilderness, but he cried out to God because he expected great things from him. He expected God to do miraculous things. In your everyday life, do you expect God to do great things? when you wake up, do you expect God to do great things? See, David knew that it wasn't left up to chance that God is the God of all certainty, that everything is made complete in him, that everything is already made complete in him, and he trusted in that God, and it's the same God who's in control of each and every one of our lives tonight. But sometimes, and I found it in my life, that as I throughout the year, as I get busier and busier, as things get added onto my plate, as we uh, go through life, as we go through the motions of everyday life, that I, I start maybe putting my focus in my situation, that I start fixing my eyes on God and I start looking at my situation and then I feel that God is going silent on me. I just can't seem to hear His voice. I can't seem to hear Him or see Him in the situation Where is he? Why am I not experiencing breakthrough now? I trust in him. I want him. I desire for him. But I'm just not experiencing breakthrough. And I want to say that while hope is in a person, hope is also never silent. In verse 4, it says, I call out to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy mountain. I don't know if you've ever seen a child in distress, maybe in the shopping center, a child that uh, doesn't know where their parents are. And they're wandering around the shopping aisles. And you just, I think to myself sometimes, I'm like, how could their parents just leave them? But I know that children just run and I just ran when I was a child. But they cry out in distress. And the very first people that they cry out to, who is that? It's their mother and their father. It's their parents. They cry out, Mommy, Daddy, where are you? They cry out in distress to their parents because they know that that's where their help comes from. That's where their support comes from. That's where their safety comes from. Guys, where do we cry out to when we are in distress? Where do we cry out to throughout the year? When we wake up, who are we crying out to? And do we cry out? See, the thing that I love about David is that even though it may come off as moody, is that he always cries out to God. It starts with a response from us. See, hope starts with a response deep within our soul, and we're saying, God, I trust you, that you are all for me, that you are all for me in this situation. Everything that I need is tr- tied up and rested in who you are, that you are my sustenance, you are my provision. See, David calls out to God because he has the utmost confidence in who God is. And more than that is david 's found out that God always answered. Uh, one of my favorite Psalms as well is Psalm 37, and David wrote that at the end of his life. And basically, David is saying that God is his refuge and that uh, in the quiet, uh, God is there. And he wrote that at the end of his life. And throughout all the Psalms, God, uh, David knew that God would come through for him, that he had the utmost confidence. He's looking back at his life, and he's saying, God, you were with me in the beginning. God, you are with me now, and God, you will always be with me. That there's no moment that I cannot hope in you. There's no moment that I cannot trust in you. And he rests in that place. And in that place, he finds freedom. In that place, fear is broken. In that place, there is no despair because he hopes in a God that is everything for him. Do we do that? If I look at my life, I'm going to be honest. I I suck at this sometimes. That uh, I look at my situation, I get anxiety. I get fear. In my life, I think I actually just can't accomplish this. I don't have the skills to do this whatsoever. I am the wrong person for the job. Or there would be someone better. Or this relationship just isn't going how I expected. It would be better if things just ended. That is when we look at our situation. And we're putting more power in the situation. And less power in the one who's in control of the situation. See, hope is a person, and hope is never silent, but hope is also always sustaining. Um, We had the pleasure of going on a a mountain hike at the end of last year, and I I don't know if you know this about me, but if you look at this body, this isn't really a a body that likes to go up massive hills and mountains. Um, God gifted me with the legs of a newborn ostrich. So, um, when it was suggested that we go up Table Mountain, and I didn't have a lot of time to prepare, I'm going to be honest, um, I was a, I was a bit terrified, but I, but I said to myself, no, let's get out of your comfort zone. This is the year of big things. This is the year of stretching, so let's go up this mountain. And uh, a couple of us from the church uh, part of the staff and some of the elders and also elders from uh, church in Bryanston uh, decided um, on a sunny afternoon at around 4 o'clock to climb Table Mountain. Now, I hadn't really eaten lunch that day, and, um, but, but, but I was really optimistic. I was extremely optimistic. I believed that I would get there with ease. And it may be denial, um, but nevertheless, I believe that. And we started off really strong. We uh, put 20 kilograms of meat in Gabe's backpack, so he carried most of the weight, so that was fine, um, but we still carried backpacks, and we had around 8 to 10 kilos in it, um, and I started really strong, and I was actually really chuffed with myself. I was like, look at you, you little mountain goat. You are doing this. You are doing this in style. Look at you just climbing that mountain. Everyone's behind you. You are doing so well in this moment, and I was just chuffed. And we kept on going, and it got slightly hotter, but I was fine. I I had water, and then we got to the halfway mark, and I was still good to go. I was like, this is great. I don't know why I'd never hiked. I don't know why people complain. This is great. And then we got to around the two-third mark, and then I started to feel slightly less great. As we climbed, I just started to feel these ostrich-like legs start to give in and start to wobble slightly. Every chug of water just wasn't doing it for me anymore because I hadn't eaten lunch. I started to get tired and I started to get hungry. And I was chewing biltong, which is the stupidest thing to eat on a mountain and suffering from near dehydration. Don't take biltong. Stupid thing. But anyway, it was delicious. But as we climbed up, I got to the two-third mark and I was climbing. And I just felt that actually I can't make this anymore, that I will not get up to the top. I got to three quarters of the way and that's when it gets really bad is that you actually have to kind of climb hands and knees and you have to end steep. And I was like, Lord, if this is my lot in life, I'm going to die here and I'm okay with it. Just make it end quickly or let them come in the morning. I don't mind. Jesus died for my shame. I've experienced no shame in this moment. If that is my lot, just make it happen quickly. Um, but I just heard a voice from behind me, and it was the voice of Ryan. And he said, no, you will finish this. You will get to the top. And he said, once you get to the top, you're going to experience something magical. And I really didn't believe him. I'm going to be honest. But he, t- he took my backpack off. Uh, uh, still no shame. He took my backpack from me. He carried two backpacks up. And then we started the la- trek up the last quarter. And I will be honest. I nearly died, but it's fine, is that I took step by step. But whenever I wanted to give up, I just felt a prod in my back and saying, keep on going. And then I walked a bit further, and then I wanted to give up again, and I just felt another prod in my back saying, keep on going. And once I started to stop focusing on my circumstance, stop focusing that I can't do it, and that Rion was right there beside me, and every step of the way he said, Keep on going. You can do it. Keep on going. There's something waiting on the other side. Keep on going. That is when we got to the top of the mountain. And I can t- promise you that it was one of the most beautiful experiences because it was completely quiet. It was like it was completely transported out of the city. It was still. It was peaceful. And we all just looked around the expanse. And in that moment, I just thank God for His creation. I just thank God for His provision. But if I had said, and looked at my circumstance, if I had looked at my own ability, there is no way I was going to climb that mountain. There is no way that I was going to get over that hurdle. But when we look to the one who is our provision, when we look to a source of provision and a source of sustenance that will sustain us throughout that journey, that is when we can climb mountains in our lives. And that is when we have the courage and the hope to go throughout the year with joy and delight in a good, good father. See, in verses 5 to 6, David says this, I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. See, there's a calmness and a quietness to David in this moment. At that moment, he was on the run from his son, and his son wanted to kill him. And it would have seen that David was the... A least safe person in existence at that moment. But because God was with him, and because he knew who his father was, he was the safest man in that moment. I want to tell you, sir, ma'am, tonight, wherever you find yourself right now, is that when you are with God, that is the safest place you can be. That is the safest place you can be. If you put a hope In a living God who sustains you, that is the safest place you can be. No matter what your circumstance, no matter what trial you face, no matter what the next year looks like, if it may be lack of finance, if it may be depression, if it may be a troubling marriage, no matter what that is, God sustains. See, for all accounts, David was just an ordinary man is that he, was choos- he wasn't even chosen for the lineup to slay Goliath. He was just an ordinary man with ordinary skills, but God chose him, and God empowered him to do extraordinary things. And from that moment, David put trust in that God. And it's that thing, it's that hope that lives inside each and every one of us. We're all familiar with it. It's that hope that is a whisper inside our soul it's that hope that silences fear it's that hope that brings quiet to despair it's that hope that changes situations it's that hope that makes a girl who has a death prognosis walk again and speak in the name of god it is that very hope that is with each and every one of you tonight so as we go through our 2019 as i asked in the beginning is what is your hope And now I'm going to ask you, where are you going to place that hope? Are you going to place that hope in your circumstance? Are you going to place that hope on your own ability? Or are you going to place that hope in a living God who is a person who is never silent and who is always sustaining? Can I ask us to stand to our feet as we come to a close tonight? I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to end the meeting. But I just... I feel a sense that God is putting things inside each and every one of our hearts. He's he's placing things in a backpack for the journey to go. But he will constantly restore that. That while it may look like your water runs out, that he is the fountain of life. And that he is the cup that flows over. That when it may look that there's just no more provision. That he is the person that is with you every step of the way. And that he sustains you. So God, I just thank you for being a mighty and living God. I just thank you for being in control of every situation here, Lord. I pray that we look to you, Father, that no matter which situation we find ourselves in, if it's depression, Lord, if it's a divorce, if it's a marriage, Lord, if it's a lack of finance, if it's sickness, no matter what situation we find ourselves in, that we look to you, Father, that we look to a God of miracles. We look to a God who empowers us. We look to a God who sustains us. And I pray that you just place things in our hearts to carry us throughout the year. That we have an intimacy with you, Father, that is like no other. That we abide in you, Father. That we rest in all that you are for us, Lord. That you will put words inside our soul, deep within our soul, to sustain us, Lord. I thank you that you are a good Father and that you are in control of everything and that you see everyone here tonight, Lord. I thank you that you are the living hope. I thank you that you are the hope that speaks a better word. I uh, thank you that you are the hope that sustains us through everything. In your name we pray. Amen.